How's everybody doing? Good, good to see you who are here in person. Those of you who are worshiping with us online, really glad that you're part of uh, what we've got going on this weekend. Um, I'm really excited this weekend. We are introducing a new series, and I've been looking forward to this one since, um, since our New Year's service. Uh, we're kind of extending what we talked about in that New Year's service. We're calling this series Seeds. And we wanna talk for the next four weeks about seeds that God might wanna plant in your heart, that he is planting in your heart, and what that seed might look like in your life, how you could nurture it, how you could tend it, and, and how it could bear fruit for you. And so we're gonna start this series this weekend. I wanna talk to you about a seed of faith that God's planting in our hearts. And we'll talk next weekend about a seed of hope, and then we'll talk about a seed of love, and then a seed of generosity. And so those are the four things that we're gonna talk about through this series, and again, this is one of this is one of my favorite things that we've put together, and I'm really excited that we get to do this together. So thanks for being part of it with us. So I wanna start this uh, conversation about faith this weekend uh, just by giving us a definition of faith so that we're all kinda on the same page as we talk through these things, and we're talking about faith. When we talk about faith, this isn't just something you would say, oh yeah, like, I, I agree with that, or I think that's true, or yeah, those things may probably really happened. When we talk about faith, and we talk about faith through this weekend, we're talking about living like God will come through. So this is, this is not just something that you're holding on to in your brain or something you say yeah, yes to. Um, not just something that you feel in your heart. This is something that comes from head and heart and flows into our lives. Living like God will come through. So there's this great Bible verse. It's the closest thing that I can find in the Bible that defines faith for us. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. There's a little section there, verses one through six, and then the rest of the chapter really kind of describes it. But I've kind of pulled a couple of verses for you there from Hebrews 11, one and six. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And those words confidence and assurance, like the, those, are, those are words that drive us to this idea of living like God will come through. So faith is confidence, what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. And then talking about faith, anyone who comes to God must believe two things, right? That he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so in this, in this little definition and description of faith, what we find is the beginning point of faith, the starting point of faith, is the first part of it is that God exists. And, and for some of us, that's a stretch, but for most of us, there's something in us, we know there's a God. We may, we may not know his name, we may not know anything about him, but we know that there is someone over and above us, and then as we begin to understand this God, the God as he makes himself known in the Bible, one of the things that becomes very clear to us is not only does he exist, but he rewards people who earnestly seek him. And that says something very important to us about God as we seek to be people who live like he's gonna come through, that God is not a taker, God is a giver. If, if you think back in your mind, maybe before you became serious about faith, your life of faith, or if you're still trying to figure this thing out, if you're just kicking the tires of, of faith and what's being a Christian about, like one of the things that might be in your mind is the idea that God is a taker. If I, were to say, if I were to say yes to him about important things in my life, what might he take 
from me. But the truth of the matter is, is that God is not a taker, God is a giver, and as we come to know him and to experience him in relationship with him, we find out that he actually rewards people who earnestly seek after him. And so we have this idea that we could live like God's gonna come through for us, not that he's gonna take something from us, but he's actually, he's gonna give something to us as we seek after him. And so what I would propose to you this weekend is that all of us have a next step, this faith thing. Nobody's got it totally figured out. You, you might sit here and say, I have it zero figured out. I'm, like, that's why I'm here, that's why I'm watching. I'm trying to figure this out. Awesome, but you're in a great spot. You have a next step. And you might say, hey, I've been doing this my whole life. Like, I was raised in a church nursery and I've been to Sunday school until I couldn't stand it anymore and, and here I am today, all these decades later. Yeah, that's great. You have a next step. Each one of us has a next step in what it looks like for us to live like God's really gonna come through. And what I hope happens for us this weekend is I just wanna kinda give you a little push towards what that next step for you could be and to be willing to take that next step. So towards that next step, here's, this is another Bible verse that, just, that, that to me is meaningful and I really appreciate it and it helps me. This is from Psalm 12 and it's verse six. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. So at the, at the bottom of faith, as we seek this out, as we try to understand this, we live like God is gonna come through for us. God speaks. He speaks to people, and when he speaks, his words are flawless. And so what that means, my dad had this saying when we were growing up, my brother and I were just kinda, you know, like little kids do, just kinda rattling on. He would say, you're just talking to hear your head rattle. Right, and so, and so what we could know about God, because his words are flawless, God never speaks just to hear himself speak. He didn't talk just to hear his head rattle. It, this, the Bible, if, you, if you've looked at the Bible and you've looked at in mine, it's, it's extra large print because I can't see very well, but even with like, if you have small print Bible, it's still really thick. There's a lot of words in this book. If you ever tried to read all the way through it, it takes time and it takes energy. God spoke and his words are flawless. He didn't have, like he didn't, he, nobody gave him a word count. Like hey, you gotta have a minimum of 1,500 pages before this thing counts. When God speaks, his words are flawless and the imagery there is maybe foreign to you and to me, but if you just think about it, like silver that's purified in a crucible, they heat up precious metals and all the junk in them rises to the surface and they skim off all that junk and you have like pure precious metal, like gold that is refined in the fire seven times. Over and over again, when God speaks, what, he's, what he is speaking to people like you and me, it is, it is true and it is for real and it is because he wants us to know him and to know what he offers us in relationship with him. And because God speaks and doesn't speak just to hear his head rattle and didn't just have a minimum word count, when God speaks, his words are flawless. Because of that, what he deserves from us is he deserves for us to listen to him. He deserves for us to, to pay attention to him. And he deserves for us to take him seriously at what he says and on top of that, not only does he deserve it, you and I, 
Like when we take God at his word, when we live like he's really gonna come through, the things that we get to experience from him are beyond anything we could ask or imagine. One of my favorite Bible stories that illustrates that is from the life of the Apostle Paul. And this account's recorded for us in Acts chapter 27. So here's what's been going on in this story. Paul's on a ship, and he's a prisoner, actually, and he's, he's being transferred from wherever he was to Rome to stand trial. And they have been, like this ship has been, it has been being beaten by a storm for two weeks. And there is no hope. Like they, are, they are away, they don't know where they are, they've been driven, it is dark, like there's no hope. And the sailors have done everything they can do. They've thrown the stuff overboard, they've wrapped the ropes around to hold it all together, and there is no hope. And everybody's, expect, they're just waiting for the moment when the ship breaks up and they all drown. And that's, like, that is the atmosphere of the ship. And, and God did something for the Apostle Paul. He sent an angel to him, and the angel at night says to Paul, hey, listen, you're gonna make it to Rome, and not only that, everybody who's on this ship with you, you're all gonna survive. Now, we're not on a ship, and we're not like been battered by two weeks, but if you can just kind of drop yourself into that moment, those circumstances there, there's nothing in their circumstances that look like that kind of thing could really happen. And the next day, so Paul hears from this angel of the Lord, the next day he stands up, he's a prisoner on the ship, like he's nobody on the ship, and he stands up before the whole group, and he says, hey, listen, y'all need to know something. An angel of the Lord, who I serve, he sent one of his angels to me last night, and he told me that we're all gonna be okay, and then he said to this, so keep up your courage, for I have faith that God will happen, God will make it happen just as he told me. And I love this idea, like, you talk about living like God's gonna come through to stand in front of the whole group when there's no hope, the circumstances are all against it, and just to declare, hey, like, let's keep up our courage here because God said, and I believe that it's gonna happen just like he said it's gonna happen for us. And, and in those circumstances, what we don't know, and I wish we knew this, but we don't know what the response to that statement was. Because it wasn't, it wasn't a church service, it wasn't a bunch of Christian people, it was a bunch of Roman soldiers and people who were, trying, like it was sailors and they were carrying cargo, we don't know what their response was, but their circumstances, if they were anything like me and probably like you, looking at those circumstances, it would have been real easy to say, this, this does not look at all like there is a God who sees this deal and knows where we are in this big ocean and is holding this ship. To, like, there's nothing about these circumstances that look like we're going to be preserved or rescued or anything like that. There's, this God that you're talking about, Paul, he's, is he gonna, he's not gonna come through. What, and, and, and to think through, like, and for Paul, who'd been on the ship for a couple weeks and enduring all these things, I mean, like a really good question for him, a logical question for him, in those circumstances would have been to ask the question, well, what, okay, I hear the angel, but what if he doesn't come through? Like, what, if, what if God doesn't rescue me in all of this but he wasn't that kind of guy, and this is what I really appreciate where I'm inspired by him. Instead of asking the question, what if God doesn't come through, he's asking a different question. And his question is, what if he does? Like, what if, what if God actually comes through, how can I live now? I've got this promise from God that not only am I gonna live, 
but everybody else is gonna be rescued. And so he runs to the front of the boat and says, hey, you guys need to hear what's happening. Keep up your courage because there's a God and he sees us and he knows and he's gonna rescue us. And when that happened, because if you read the rest of the account, God preserved the lives of all those people. He had a statement and he had a story and they had evidence of the power and the faithfulness of God in their life. So, so not... Not the natural question that you and I would ask. When we hear this flawless law, the words of the Lord, we hear him say things and we begin to wonder, like, but is he really gonna come through? Right, is he really gonna come through? And, and we, we walk through, like we plan for the worst case scenario, we begin to worry, we, we put up walls in our lives, we, we make a plan B in case this doesn't happen and oftentimes we'll start to exercise and, and live out plan B, walking away from plan A because it's, it doesn't seem like God's coming through and all this, and I think this is a beautiful question. This is the question that faith asks. What if he does? Like, What if God actually comes through? What if he actually does what he said he will do for us? And so, so you and I don't have to live with fear and worry and wondering what's going on and wondering if God's gonna come through because he always comes through, and so we could live with this question, what if he does? So if, again, if you're like me in this, how could I move from how can I move from where I am today to, to where God would have me go? Like next week, next month, what, my life, what could my life look like if I were to become a, a what if he does kind of person? How could I grow in this? So I wanna use the rest of our time together really just to kind of help us think about how we could get from where we are today to where God would have us be next week, next month, next year. So let's, let me start with a couple of statements here that I think are important for us first. Faith is a seed that God plants, okay? And I, I think this is really good news for us. Faith is a seed that God plants. I mean, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, it says it's by grace that you and I are saved, that we're rescued. We celebrated that in communion in our time together here just a few minutes ago. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this, this grace, this faith, this salvation, this faith, it's not it's not of yourselves, it's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. And it doesn't come by works so that nobody can boast. And, and there's a little bit of a challenge in this and there's a whole lot of good news in this. There's, you and I have a tendency to think we, we've done it for ourselves. And when we think we've done something for ourselves, then we kind of get puffed up and believe more about ourselves than we should. And, and we're rescued that from that, God rescues us from that in letting us know that hey, Grace, faith, salvation, all this stuff is like, this isn't something you've done for yourself, this is something that he has actually done for you. So faith is a seed that God plants in your heart. And if you're, if you're here and you're watching and you're thinking, ah, oh, I don't have any faith. Well, you're, you're at the right place. You're, you're engaged with the right person because he's the one who puts faith in you. Or I don't have enough faith to make it through, whatever your circumstances are, I don't have enough faith to make it through right now, the beauty of that is like, my job is not to whip you into some kind of a frenzy or to whip you into spiritual shape, and your job is not to whip yourself up so that somehow you have enough faith to make it through. This is, we get to sit in a posture of receiving this faith that God wants to give to us. It's a gift that comes to us from him. And so, so God plants this seed of faith in our lives. And as you think about having this seed of faith, Seeds always have growing seasons, they have growing seasons. 
And in our lives, there, there are two really seasons where faith grows. The first is suffering and the second is sacrifice. Suffering and sacrifice are faith's growing seasons. If you're gonna experience growth, faith growth in your life, it's gonna come, most likely it's gonna come during a season either of suffering or a season of sacrifice. Those are two different things and so let me kind of show you what I mean by that. So suffering, suffering is, is outside of your control. It's when stuff happens to you that you have, like you have no control over it and you have no say, you can't, you couldn't make it happen and you didn't, you can't make it stop. This is, this is coming at you from the outside and it is, it is when circumstances are just, just on you. It's just thick and dark and heavy suffering. It's the right word. The seasons of suffering and in seasons of suffering, they force us. Like, it's almost like it grabs you by the head and shoulders and pushes you down to a decision point. And the decision point is, am I gonna trust God in this? Or am I gonna trust me or somebody else? And so suffering pushes you down to that decision point and actually several places in the Bible tell Christian people, hey, when, when you enter into a season of suffering, you can actually rejoice in that because that suffering is a huge growth season for your faith. You don't have to not rejoice in the circumstances, not be super excited that, that life for somebody's got you, but that, that you're, you're having a growth opportunity for your faith because during these seasons of suffering, they're outside, they're bigger than you, they're outside of your control, you can't stop it, but you get to, you get to learn and to grow in, I'm, gonna, I'm choosing to trust God in this and I'm gonna live in this season of suffering like he's gonna come through for me. Not just I'm gonna think that or hope that, but I'm gonna make life choices, like in this season, God's actually gonna come through for me. And so in seasons of suffering, there's huge growth. And then also in seasons of sacrifice, there's, there's huge growth. So sacrifice really is when, when I turn loose of some stuff. Like when, when, I, when I lay some things down to, to cast myself in dependence on God. And it's really kind of an opportunity for me to test God for coming through. Not like putting him to the test, but like for me to learn that there is a God who sees, who hears, who knows, who speaks, and what he says will happen in my life. And just thinking about, thinking about sacrifice, I just kind of put three things down that are, I think, good examples of, because, and remember, God is a giver, he's not a taker, right? So when we talk about sacrifice, one of the things that comes to mind is, okay, God's taken something from me. But what he's, what he's doing is he's asking us to lay down some things that are really important to us that we value, to lay those things down so that our hands are empty and he can put stuff that's important to him and things that he values in them. So when we think about stuff that we lay down, thinking about in like the call to Christian people to serve, to serve other people, to give time and energy, frankly, that you and I do not have in our busy lives, to give time and energy to somebody else who is in some kind of need, who may or may not deserve the time or the energy that we give to them and who for sure cannot give that time and energy back to us. To serve somebody, 
to lay down time and energy for someone else, for the good of someone else. And, and that puts us in the position of, of trusting God. First, to trust him for the time and energy that we're laying down, because we know, like we know about our own lives, we know about everybody else's lives, that we don't have time and energy to give to somebody else. So you're laying that time and energy down, and at some point you gotta say, Lord, all right, you said serve, and I am trusting, I'm gonna live like you're gonna come through. So I'm gonna serve, and I'm giving up time and energy that I need for my life to happen, the people who depend on me for all that to happen, I'm laying that down, I'm trusting you to come through. The other thing that serving does is it puts us, like it pushes us way outside of our comfort zone and puts us in a position where we wonder, do I have what this takes? Do I have what it takes? Like I'm, okay, I'm gonna serve this person, or I'm gonna serve in this capacity. I, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know if what I'm gonna do is gonna be helpful. I don't know what they're gonna think about this. I don't know what somebody else is gonna say. Like, I don't know. And, and it puts us in this position of, of inadequacy. And, and again, that moment of inadequacy gives us the opportunity, all right, I'm gonna trust God because he says he'll make me adequate for things. So I'm just gonna step into this and I know I'm not adequate, but I'm gonna have to trust him to be adequate for this. And, and God is not trying to take from you valuable time and valuable energy to, for your important life. He's, he's not trying to take your, your self-respect. He's not trying to take your self-confidence from you by making you feel inadequate. He's not trying to, he's not trying to take that stuff from you. What he's, what he's after is he's after you laying these things down so that he can put in your hands opportunities to influence and to lead and to experience life that really matters, serving people. So serving is like one of those sacrifices. When I give up time and energy and that feeling of competence, when I lay all that down, God puts really cool things back in my hand. I was thinking about giving, and particularly for those of you who are church people, you'll recognize this word, tithing. So here's tithing. Tithing is giving 10% of your income to God's work through your church or through a ministry or to missionaries, 10%. And if you read through particularly the Old Testament, talks about like that's, that's what the people of God did to honor God with their wealth. And, and if you think about that for just a moment, when you think about what, 10% of my income to like, that sounds like God's trying to take something from me. Sounds like maybe he's trying to take food off my table or the kind of car I wanna drive or the kind of vacations that we wanna have or the kind of house that we think we should live in. Like when you start thinking about 10% of your income, it can very easily begin to feel like God is trying to take from you. But what this does, this giving, this sacrificial giving, it, it actually gives you the opportunity to trust God with your finances. And, in, and when God says, hey, lay this down before me, what he's really doing is he is you're laying down 10% of your income and what he is taking from you is the stranglehold that money and greed have on our lives and what he's putting back in your hands is peace and generosity. And so when you think about sacrifice, and God's given you a chance to trust him, to live like he's gonna come through and when that happens, he's not taking money from you, he's giving you peace in your financial realm. The other thing I was thinking about is the idea of Sabbath. And again, if you're newer to church, this word may not sound familiar to you, what Sabbath is. Sabbath is 
in six days, God created the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested. That's what Genesis chapter one and chapter two tell us. And God built this world with a rhythm in it. Work six, day, six days, rest the seventh. Work six days, rest the seventh. And that idea of rest is a spiritual rest, an emotional rest. It's, it's about God restoring energy and passion and hope in our lives. And again, we live this pace and this busyness and, and laying down a whole day. What is it? it sounds like God's trying to take something from me. So I know this guy, he's a pastor, and he could, probably, he could probably preach a really good sermon on the idea of Sabbath and a day of rest, but he, he didn't live it. And, and he was on the edge of burnout. And, and on that edge of burnout, he, he came back to this idea of energy, passion, hope, Sabbath, six days. Okay, Lord, I, my way isn't working. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna lay down all the stuff that would have happened on that seventh day. I don't know how my life works without that seventh day to do chores around the house, to run my kids here and there, to like, you just, energy, passion, and hope, for energy, passion, and hope to be restored in my life. I don't know how it works, I'm gonna have to trust you. And, and in laying down a day to do what God gives back is energy, passion, and hope and all the stuff that happens in six days instead of seven. And so God is, God is a giver, he is not a taker, and as we begin to live out this life that is like he's gonna come through, what we get to experience in, in, in sacrifice, and we get, to, we get to decide for ourselves, in suffering, someone else is pushing you under, and here's the thing about sacrifice. Sacrifice prepares you to suffer. And we're all gonna suffer. Like sacrifice doesn't sign you up for suffering, you are signed up for suffering. You, you are a human being living in our broken world, and so you are signed up for suffering. But, but sacrifice lets you experience the faithfulness of God so that when someone or something has got you head and shoulders pushing you down, you know that I can trust God, he always comes through for me. And so, so we live like God is, like God is gonna come through. He plants this seed of faith in our lives, sacrifice, suffering, these seasons where it grows. So here's your part, here's my part in these seasons of suffering. Our part is so be it. Right? My part is so be it. And if you don't like that little phrase because it sounds too much like I'm just, I'm just like receiving whatever's going on in my life, a better idea when we're talking about the promises of God is bring it on. And so in, um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, and I really appreciate this statement because I don't know how many promises he's made, and you probably don't know how many promises he's made either. The Apostle Paul writing this, he says, no matter how many promises God has made, and he's made a lot of promises, they are yes in Jesus Christ. Jesus is, he is the fulfillment of all the promises that God has made. He is, he is how they come to us in our relationship with him. The promises of God are made real to us. He is God saying yes to people like you and me. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Jesus, then the amen is spoken by us. And that little word amen is not just the end of a prayer. What it means is it means so be it. 
And if, if you wanna just kinda go another step on this because these are promises that God has made and we're gonna live like he's coming through, it's not just so be it. It's like bring it on, bring on the promises of God. Not so be it to the circumstances. This isn't, this isn't a fatalistic, like, oh, this is just how it's gonna be. I, I surrender to the circumstances. This is not about surrendering to circumstances. This is about recognizing that God has made promises, understanding what those are, that they come to us in Jesus and living like he's gonna come through, so be it. Like, we say yes to the promises of God, and you and I get this beautiful opportunity to living it out. So my friend, Jim Schneeman, who's now with the Lord, I met him when we were in ministry in Michigan. Shortly after we got there, it had been about 2001, Jim was diagnosed with dementia and everything about it looked like Alzheimer's. And he met with me to pray with me once a month before worship services, and I would get an update from him on how he was doing and how things were going. And every month, he said this to me so many times, he said, in the face of all that suffering, wife, family, he would tell me all the promises of God are true, every one of them. All the promises of God are true, every one of them. Got to bump into his son about three months ago, and it was just a random, we met in Ohio. At a, we were at the same thing, and he didn't know I was there, and I didn't know he was there. We bumped into each other, and it was awesome to be able to tell him, hey, can I tell you what your dad used to tell me every month? All the promises of God are true, every one of them. And he, and he got to experience like the decision point. In the face of that suffering, in the face of that suffering, all the promises of God are true, every one of them. All the promises, no matter how many promises God have made to us, they are yes to us in Jesus, and we get to say the bring it on through him to the glory of God. And so you and I get this wonderful opportunity to say yes, so be it. The, what, the work you're doing, God, the seed that you planted in my life, the work that you're doing, like, I, I'm for this, I'm for this. And I appreciate Jim's faith posture because when seasons of suffering hit, one of the things that I say and one of the things that I've heard from other people, is like, I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe this is happening to me. I can't believe I'm going through this. I can't believe we're going through this. I can't, I can't believe the circumstances that we are in. It's a really natural question for people like you and me when something's going on like that. I can't believe it. I can't believe what I'm having to walk through right now. And if there's this other question that I'd like to kind of turn on that, if you happen to be in, in a circumstance, situation where you just can't believe it right now, here's, here's what I would ask you. What can you believe? Right? What can you believe? Can, can you believe the promises of God? Can you believe that these things are true? And here's what, here's what, here's what you need to know. So faith is a gift from God. It's, it's something that God has given to you. It's not something you have to work up in yourself. And so, so God does not expect you to exercise faith that you don't have. He knows the faith that he's given to you. He knows how much faith you have. He does not expect you to, to exercise faith that you don't have but he does call you to exercise the faith that you do have, so what can you believe? Can, can you believe that he's gonna come through for you? I know this guy, I told you about the guy I know who's a pastor, about he couldn't, he, he could preach the sermon on Sabbath, but he couldn't believe it for a while. And even when he started believing it, he started with a half a day, not a full day, a half a day of, of a Sabbath. And God met him in that. 
and moved him forward in that. I have a friend who for a while, all the faith he had was to just show up at church. He, he couldn't believe what we were singing. He couldn't believe what we were talking about. He couldn't believe any of that, but he could show up to church and he exercised the faith he had and God met him in that. And today his life is completely different because God met him in exercising the faith that he did have. So what can you believe? Where you are today, what can you believe? Exercise the faith that you have and God will meet you in that because here's a beautiful statement. God always meets our faith with his faithfulness. God always meets our faith with his faithfulness. I can, like you will not, you will not exercise faith that God leaves you hanging. He is, he is the faithful God. The consistent story of the, of the Bible and the consistent story of people who have put their trust in God and who have chosen to live like he's actually gonna come through, those people will tell you, two one, they'll tell you, God always meets your faith with his faithfulness. So, so what can you believe? And what you can believe, like stand in that. Stand there and watch. Watch what happens when you exercise the faith you have and see how God meets your faith with his faithfulness. You wrap up with this. My favorite story in the New Testament, Jesus' life, where, where he meets our faith with his faithfulness and tells us what faith does in our lives. So this is recorded in John chapter 11. Jesus' friend, Lazarus, has died. And Jesus goes. He's been dead for four days. Jesus goes to visit sisters who are also his friends and, and Mary and Martha. And, and both of them meet Jesus. And they meet him on the way and they, they stop him and they confront him and they say to him, hey Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would still be alive. And like, it's, a, it's a strong moment between them. There's faith there. If you had been here, you could have healed him. If you had been here, our brother would still be alive. And Jesus, Jesus says something to Martha in that that I think is really important for people like you and me. This is recorded in John chapter 11, verse 40. Jesus says to her, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. If you believe, so you believe that if I had been here that your brother would still be alive, I'm here now. And if you, if you will continue to trust me in these circumstances, even though everything looks like it is just, it is over, if you will continue to believe what you get to see is the glory of God. And that is a true statement for Martha and that is a true statement for you and for me. If, if you will exercise the faith that you have, however much or however little that feels like to you, if you will, if you will live like the promises of God are true, like he's gonna come through for you, if you'll take the next step that he's laid in front of you, if you will believe, you will get to see the glory of God in your life. So, so we're gonna do this in a minute. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back out here. And we're gonna have kind of a faith moment. So it's gonna start with my prayer, but they're gonna sing. And, and this is a chance for you to say to God, I'm trusting you. 
So whatever the circumstances are, maybe for some of you this communion thing and you heard about Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and rising again from the dead and the bread and the juice and, and you've never believed that, that, like you might, like, oh yeah, that stuff really happened, but you've never, you've never said, okay, I'm gonna live like that's true for me, like I'm forgiven and like I'm in a relationship with God. This is, this is your moment to, to exercise the faith that you have. Maybe, maybe your life is just, like circumstances have got you and you're about to go under for the third time because you've been trying to do it on your own. You've been, like, you've been functioning on plan B. Maybe today is your day to just say, I believe. Like, I'm gonna believe. I'm gonna live, God, like what you said, what you're saying is true. I'm gonna see your glory. Maybe things are good right now, but that sacrifice thing is not part of who you are and the way you roll because just it's just... You, don't, you can't do it right now. And, and maybe as I talk about sacrifice, maybe there's something that God's been saying to you, like, hey, I got a next thing for you. I want you to lay some stuff down. I'm not a taker, I'm a giver. I want you to lay some stuff down so I can put some really good stuff in your hands. Maybe that's your next step. But if you will believe, if you'll believe, you'll get to see the glory of God. So let me pray for us. Would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us everything in Jesus. And because of that, we trust you. And so I'm saying it for myself and I'm saying it for my friends who are part of the service. We believe. And the prayer of the dad in Mark chapter nine, we say that too, Lord, help our unbelief. We all have a next step. So would you, would you please give us what we need to take the next step to trust you so that we can see your glory? And Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad I put my faith in Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. I've still got joy in chaos.
What a great message. What a great song. He will not fail us now. Amen? So stick with me for just a moment. I have a couple of things that I think you'll be encouraged by. So this is the first of four seed statements, the first of four uh, sermons this month, uh, the seed of faith today, the seed of hope, the seed of love, and the seed of generosity. If that sounds familiar to you, it's because we did, we kind of teased that in our New Year's Eve and New Year's Day online-only worship service. So if that sounds familiar, that's where it's from. So we want to give you, we want to prepare for you, we have prepared rather, uh, a few resources that you can use. So if this was a faith moment for you, we can help make that a faith journey for you with just a few simple things we want to give to you. The first is uh, weekly text. So we, we want to give you, if you will opt in uh, on the screen in, or on the uh, QR code in front of you or uh, online on our website, we can, you can opt in. Uh, it looks kind of like this. The top bar there says seeds. You can go to it now in front of you if you want. And you can opt into a weekly text from us. It comes on Wednesday, or Monday afternoon, and it is meant to encourage you. It is meant to spur you on. It might be a Bible verse. It might be a song. It might be a quote. It might be a question that you can talk about at dinner. Uh, it might be uh, something that just encourages you in the seed that God is nurturing in your life, one of these four seeds. The second thing is a gift. So on your way out today, on the left in our lobby is a half-circle table, and it has gifts out there for you. We encourage you to take one. Now, one of these bags is for today's message, the gift, or the, rather, the seed of faith. And there's one for the seed of love and the seed of hope and generosity. If one of those strikes you and you think, you know what, I want to grow that seed in my life this year, get the texts and have a sticker, a magnet, a wristband, then take one on your way out, please, Uh, and hopefully that helps you in your journey to nurturing these seeds that God is planting in your life. So back to Romans, quickly, I wanna give you just a benediction. May the God of peace be with you all today. Amen. Go in peace.